Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that can tap and sacrifice to add one mana of any colour, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined once again, finally, by the inspiring overseer herself, back from her trip from across the pond, Emma. How are you doing? Hi, long time no see, slash speak, mm. slash insert thing here. Um, I'm good, I'm really <laughs> sleepy. So I'm very sorry if I sound a bit drowsy and a bit out of it on the recording today, just because I'm getting over some of the jet lag, because I flew back mm-hmm. like Thursday and today is Sunday. So I've got a couple of days. I'm getting there. I'm adjusting a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I feel really refreshed. I took the month off from work and content and just relaxed. So yeah. ready to get back to work. I just need to kick the rest of this jet lag and, you know, nap for 50 hours. Who knows? <laughs> so for those who didn't know, um, I spent almost a month on holiday slash vacation in America. I went around Charlotte, North Carolina for the first week and then went to Roanoke, West Virginia for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. To start off with, I was traveling with like family because a lot of my family are based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, like My sister-in-law's yeah. from there, so we saw her family, did some sightseeing and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so did family things for the first week and then after that I went to Roanoke, Virginia to meet up with the former and not-so-former SCG lot. So I just spent a lot of time with like Ross, mm. Corey, Todd, Brad, and just, you know, got drunk, played drunk games, did karaoke, did trivia nice. and stuff like that. Caught some like sports games as well. So I watched a couple of basketball games, watched some softball as well with the guys. Sweet. It was really good just to relax. And because you know, when you go on holiday, you get kind of get caught up in doing stuff all the time, like visiting, like yeah. seeing sites and stuff like that. So it was just really good to mm. not do anything for a few days as well. It actually felt mm. like a proper vacation. But yeah, it was mostly lazy, so there isn't really a lot to say, because I didn't really do a lot. It was just cool just to meet people who I've not seen before, through, you know, because I've spoke to them on Twitter and so forth. Yeah. Um, so I really needed it. Um, with that, I barely <laughs> played any Magic for the last month, which may seem mm. a bit weird, because I was seeing all like these Magic players and whatnot. You think, yeah. oh, you know, you don't want to play Magic, whereas they have the same mindset of, it's my job, so therefore I don't really want to do it when I'm trying to relax. Take the time off from it, yeah. Yeah, so it was a big disconnect from work um, because I associate magic with work, so I didn't really want to play any of it or get involved yeah. in it. And so we just did a load of non-magic stuff instead. Since being back, I have been picking up more cards for Pauper because there's a Pauper event this week, uh, this Thursday, mm. when the episode drops. And I've settled on playing Boris Aggro because I really want to experiment with Synthesizer and Glinthawk because that just sounds really fun. And my list is a bit nice. outdated, so I had to update that. Mm. And as I'm back off vacation, I am now back to work. So this week on TCG Player, I've written up a guide on how to get into Pauper. It will have everything, you know, from what's legal, what decks to play, varying on your play style, what is it, because it's getting a lot of traction thanks to the PFP. And also, Modern on a Budget is back, and I'm looking to update Death and Taxes for post-Modern Horizons 2, because it's a bit outdated, my old list, so... Uh, you can check those out on TCG Player now. And lastly, I just want to say a big thanks to AAK Alters, Mandy, Chris, and Logan for guesting on the podcast while I was away. They were really good yeah. episodes. I did listen to them. Uh, it was good good fun to listen, but also a bit weird because I wasn't on it, if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but anyway, how are things with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm good. I'm good. Um, you, you've you've heard an awful lot over the last couple of weeks me talking about how my weeks have been. So, you know, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, done, we're done with my side of the catch-up, at least. Um <laughs> In the last week, though, I had a really good social week. It's been a long time. Uh, on Friday, I went to the pub for the first time since the start of 2020. Wow. A long time. 
And I went with some good friends that I met through the Irish Magic Discord server over the course of the pandemic. And we've met in person a few times before to like play some games or hang out or maybe play some D&D. But uh, it was just nice to spend time just in a relaxed social setting with some good friends, you know. It was real nice. I also went to the War Chest on Saturday, yesterday, and I played some Modern. I'm still piloting Blue White Affinity and I got to first place. I won every single round, which, you know, I'm pretty happy with the deck now. I also got to grab some lunch and some games of VDH with some good friends while I was there as well. So it's been really lovely to just unwind for the first time in a very long time with some good people, as I'm sure you know, because that sounds exactly like what you did in Roanoke. So yeah. Yeah. Back on to content-related stuff, though. Uh, my article this week is all about protection in Commander, specifically how to protect your Commander. I talk about the main options available, as well as the best options for any given deck. Be live now on Card Kingdoms. You can go check that out after the show. And I'm also tonight going to be on Chase, a.k.a. Mana Curves, a stream, slinging some spells. So it'll be over by the time you hear this, if you're listening to it on the podcast. But you can check out the VOD over on their Twitch channel after the show. I'll leave a link in the show notes and outside of magic i am still still playing elden ring i'm now 150 hours into my first playthrough but i do think i'm now in the end game so That's there's that uh once it's finished i think i'll actually just run it back with a brand new build <laughs> yeah it's the kind of game isn't it you just like you spend like 200 hours on mm. the first playthrough and you're like you know what i'm gonna go for it again with a slightly yeah. different build so if we can knock that time slightly down <laughs> This would be like 100 hours instead. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, Emma. It has been a while. You've been off the hook for a bit now, so what is your card I'll of the week I'll do the next week? five. How's that? <laughs> to make up for it, I'll do the next five. Um, so the, my card of the week this week is one that people have been talking about thanks to Streets of New Capenna and the previews that mm. have come with it. And it's a card from Modern Horizons 2 called Academy Manufacture. So for yeah. free generic mana you get a 1-3 that is an artifact creature that is also an assembly worker. And it reads, if you would create a clue, food or treasure token, instead create one of each. Given that New Capenna is riddled with treasures because it's a multicolour mm-hmm. set, cards like this are just going to be really popular in Commander because you just get extra clues and food tokens as a result also goes really well with uh Ginny Faye Jetmiss second who mm. replaces those tokens with dogs and cats and it's a really good way to just progress your board especially in commander yeah does see fringe play in modern as well because you have it in like sometimes you see it in like food decks and like the combo we sort of decks as well um it mm. just feels like a card that's just going to go up in value like the more treasures and stuff that are get printed these kind of cards would be desirable in commander it is four dollars at the moment sure. it's about four dollars fifty and um, i can't see that staying that low soon nope. so i would just pick like a couple up and just forget about them because you'll probably want them for commander at some point yeah 100 percent. it's a fantastic card it's a lot of fun to be honest to like 
you know, especially if you copy it or something and then you just start having to do maths in the middle of your game. That's always a lot of fun. Um, I actually was, this is one of the first like speculations that I've done in a long time um, where not long after it came out, they were like 80 cents each and I bought five. Yeah. Like one for a commander deck that I was looking for and then also just a playset to have. And already they've gone up nearly tenfold. So Yeah, I opened a like a foil full art one at my MH2 boosters and I've just put it in my binder. Just gonna forget about it. Yep. Because it'll come up in Commander at some point. I'll probably wanna play some sort of token deck that and treasures is just so evergreen now, mm-hmm. I guess is the term with magic, that cards like this are gonna be really desirable. Yep, that's it, for sure. Alrighty. So First time back, Emma. I think we have a little bit of catching up to do with a certain set that is coming out now, and that is Streets of New Capenna. I have held off talking about it until you're back because, Appreciate well, you know, it's, it's it's important. It's a it's a big set. We got to talk about it, you know. So we will list uh, in the show notes the the full New Capenna gallery. We're obviously not going to talk about every card. We're not going to talk about any of the big face cards either because. Let's be real. Basically, every other podcast is talking about it. There's no point in beating a dead horse. We're talking about, like, yeah. this commander is absurd, or this legendary creature is bananas, or have you seen this green artifact that makes treasures? Oh my god, why is it not red? Like, we get it, right? Everyone's saying it. So, instead, we figured we'd probably just take a look at some of the other cards that are very good and interesting. Some appeared in the card list dump at the end like the commons and uncommons, that kind of thing. And some have shown up throughout the previous season so far, but didn't really get a whole lot of traction. Um, So we figured we'd probably take a look at a couple of those. First of all, we do think that a notable mention, regardless of how important it is, is that the Triumph Cycle is now complete. Hooray! They completed a cycle. It's nice. And they're not called Triumphs. Not all called Triumphs either, even though they're going to be called Mm. Triumphs because Akori started first, right? It's just really good to have complete cycles of stuff. I'm just a big fan of having complete sets. And these will be great for Commander, Modern, Pioneer, etc. Yeah. And also they'll be valuable as well. So if you open some, I would recommend just keeping a hold of them just for those future multicolor Commander decks or those three color decks in Modern Pioneer because the Ikoria Triumphs are shooting up in value now just because it's rotated out. No one's opening Ikoria. So they're just going to be even more desirable. And you've got to think of the reprint as well because they're tied to a set so reprinting those is yeah. be quite difficult yeah these are just going to retain the value simple as because like you said they're, they're just not going to get reprinted for a long long time I, don't, I think it feels like these are going to kind of end up like the fast lands from Mirden. that kind of cycle I think easily one of the best things that you could tutor for with a fetch on turn one. Oh so. yeah and you can cycle it yep now I have a little one that was in the full preview dump there the other day and I, I got to be honest, I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of it for a number of reasons, as all will become clear as I explain the card. And that is Goldhound. So for a single red, you have a 1-1 artifact creature treasure dog with first strike and menace. And you can tap and sacrifice Goldhound to add one mana of any color. So first of all, I just said a bunch of words that I love. And it's a creature. Uh, so uh, the reason that I think that this is really, really good is, first of all, in Modern and Pauper in particular... Well, it's an artifact. That's important because so many things care about artifacts. It is kind of like a wild counter. Sure, you can't sacrifice it the turn that it comes out because it needs to have, like, it needs to lose the summoning sickness. But that's fine because you could do a turn two Blood Moon with this. You could play this on turn one. And then on turn two, you sack this, play a land Blood Moon. That's pretty good. This also blocks Ragavan really, really well. 
with the first strike and the menace it's also pretty good to attack with as well so like it's acceleration while also being an artifact that you might care about while also being a ragavan blocker and it just has a lot of good small things going for it that i feel like it's going to be a good thing to play with somewhere mm. where that home is exactly no idea but it looks cool think the only issue though because it's a obviously it's a dog why would i want to sacrifice mm-hmm. it where is it i can't kill the dog eh? yeah see this is this is the thing they gotta stop making these dogs that are just so desperate to just be unalived i just don't understand why they're doing this yeah it's just like it just reads as a one one with first strike a menace to me it doesn't have the second ability yeah <laughs> I, I try not i try not to read it yeah so another good one for pauper i think this is my most excited card from new capenna mm-hmm. admittedly i've not looked at the set fully because i've been on vacation um, but I'm really excited for this one. This is Inspiring Overseer. So for two generic and a mm-hmm. white, you get an Angel Cleric that is a 2-1. It has flying, and when Inspiring Overseer enters the battlefield, you gain one life and you draw a card. So we're getting some mm-hmm. card draw in white, insert thing here that people moan about. <laughs> um, in I'm talking about this from a pauper perspective. So you want to replace those Priests of Ancient Laws, which came out in... AFR, which was also a re- like sees a lot of playing yeah. corporate anyway. Mm-hmm. However, for the same cost, you're getting flying. So expect to see this in like Wars of Pestilence list because it replaces the pr- the priest and the flying is really nice mm. when you want to chip in some damage. The only the issue with these um, pestilence lists is that the creatures don't often have a lot of evasion, so pushing through damage can be quite difficult. Yeah, having a two one flyer really helps this. Also, the card is likely to see playing tier two archetypes in pauper, so. Think of stuff like Soul Sisters, Mono White Aggro, or Weenie. Um, mm-hmm. And it could also be a fun of in like Jeskai mid range builds because it's a really good ephemerate target. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, a, I think sure. it's a nice all rounder for Pauper. And it's going to see, so it's not going to be like experimental synthesizer levels of play, but it's going to see a lot mm-hmm. of like lower tier play. And I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I'm definitely picking one up for my Feather Flicker deck in Commander as well. Ooh. Just a nice target. Yeah. Yeah. Next one I've got is one that I feel like nobody really commented on which is unusual given the fact that it has the word treasure on it (laughs) and that is horde hauler specifically for commander by the way so this is three and a red for a five five vehicle with trample and crew three so already it's pretty decent stats but whenever it deals combat damage to a player create a treasure token for each artifact they control so this is first of all easy enough to crew it's very easy to get three power in commander doing basically any strategy whatsoever it can make a lot of treasure very quickly like you could very easily have like an artifact player at the table and you could just gain 10 treasures or you could just swing at someone who has a couple of mana rocks and like you'll have just you know paid off the cost of horde hauler in the first place these kind of things like they allow you to accrue more and more value over time which i think is very very good and the fact that it has trample means it's quite easy to get through some combat damage when you want to it kind of in some ways now i know this might feel like a stretch when you consider what i'm comparing it to but it is like a targeted dockside that needs to attack but even a really bad dockside is still just a good card that's just the level at which you're talking about when you're referencing dockside even a terrible version of it is still probably reasonably good you know so yeah i'm 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 high on this one i i would be inclined to to give it a go so next up is Tainted Indulgence. Uh, so for a blue and a black, you get an instance where you draw two cards, then you discard a card unless there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard. Um, so mm. the best way to see this is Demir's version of Expressive Iteration. Great card draw yeah. and filtering. 
It's going to be really easy to achieve in like modern and pioneer just because you fill up your graveyard so easily. It could even give birth to like Demir Death Shadow in modern, for example, mm-hmm. um, with the option of seeing it in Grixis as like a one of or a two of as well. Yeah. And also you got to think of the control deck. So like Demir Control is going to really like this for Pioneer as well. And on a side note, this mm. is probably going on my cube as well because it's a really sweet way just to draw cards. For sure. So easy as well. And like yeah. the discard's not a downside either because you're in black blue. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, if you look at Expressive Iteration, like, early in the game, you could put that down pretty quick to try and dig for the right thing that you're looking for to put into your hand, even if it is on turn two and you're desperate or something. Like, it's not ideal, but it works. And that's what Tainted Indulgence does. But in the late game, it basically becomes a draw two for two mana at instant speed, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah I feel like this is going to have a long, imp- long-lasting impact on... A lot of formats, really, to be honest. Because any format that this can be played, I wouldn't be surprised to just see it show up because it's just good. Yeah. Speaking of cards that are just good, and I know that a couple of people have mentioned this one. I know it's a little less of an underlier, but unlicensed hearse. First of all, why is a hearse unlicensed? I would like to know this. Uh, (laughs) Like, what what are these criminals doing? Like, are they just going, you know what we should do? We should... We should run an illegal funeral home. Like, what? <laughs> that I just don't raises more questions, right? It's just like, what the hell? Right? Like, <laughs> the fact that it's a hearse, right? Sorry, I'm going off on here. But the fact Go that this it. is a hearse, right? It implies that you want other people to know that there is a body in here. That is explicitly what criminals do not want you to know. If you have a body in a car, you probably don't want people to know about it unless you're specifically running something like a funeral home. In which case, why are you running an unlicensed funeral home? I don't... Look, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but the card itself is yeah. pretty good, right? It's two generic mana for a star star vehicle with crew two. And it has power and toughness equal to the number of cards exiled with it. And you can tap it to exile up to two cards from a single graveyard. So it is reusable graveyard hate that also eventually becomes a threat. It can grow really, really huge over time. And it's pretty easy to crew. Like, even if you don't have creatures, this is still pretty good. It's just remove two cards from a bin every turn. That's that's decent, you know? So, I would not be surprised to see this show up in Commander, because, you know, most decks should have some form of graveyard hate. This is not a particularly heavy graveyard piece. It's just going to tax people on the graveyard a little bit, which I think Plus is quite it's, neat. It's generic as well, so you can play it in every Commander deck. Exactly. Yeah. It's really nice as well. I, I see this starting off being quite cheap, um, but it will probably just rise over time. I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of like, you know, like Soul Guide Lantern, that kind of thing. Not yeah. necessarily to the same degree because you can't get it off an Urza Saga and that kind of thing, but it's still just a really good piece that most decks are happy to run, I would yeah, say. Exactly. Yep. So next up is another purple guard from myself, and that is Body Dropper. So for black and a red, you get a 2-2 that is a Devil Warrior creature. Mm-hmm. And it reads, whenever you sacrifice another creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on Body Dropper. It also mm. has an activated ability of black, red. Sacrifice another creature, Body Dropper gains menace until the end of turn. Um, so this oh. is another Mortician Beetle for sacrifice archetypes in Pauper. I'm unsure if it's going to see frequent play in Pauper, but it's just a really cool card to kind of bring up. Um, it is a solid, solid addition to sacrifice decks, so you may see like a Mardu version pop up even a Rakdos version with this in play um, it just gives it more consistency and I just think it's worth noticing because it was just in the drop on the Friday 
like the, like yeah. the image gallery at the end and it's just like cheap sacrifice decks in poor, like cards in poor poor is desirable for sure like I have a mono black sacrifice deck and I do sometimes feel like the four of mortician beetle isn't enough and it does need more and with that kind of deck generally speaking you want to have some sort of like reasonable fixing and like top lands don't really help because you want to do something on turn one then turn two and that kind of mm-hmm. thing but with the likes of like deadly dispute giving you the treasures and that kind of thing and it, it's it would be much easier to do that sort of thing um so splashing the red for something like this and maybe just like a bunch of lightning bolts or sacrifice things in red would be pretty good in addition to the fact as well that one thing with mortician beetle is sometimes you just don't draw the sacrifice stuff and it just sort of sits there yeah. and that feels terrible now this is not an efficient sacrifice outlet but it can still sacrifice things which is quite nice so plus yes. the menace is nice so if you have a regular way to mm. like have tokens or creatures you can just keep chipping in with damage and it gets bigger as well so yep. it's, it's like a it's more of a win condition than mortician beetle so that slightly more evasive for a slightly higher cost yeah for sure now the next one i have this is this is a little bit of a, a long shot maybe possibly <laughs> but i love this card and it's designed so much that i feel like i, I needed to mention it anyway and that is brass knuckles right so it's four generic for an artifact equipment and it has equip one and it reads when you cast this spell copy it so you get two brass knuckles one for each arm presuming um and it says equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it so the obvious home as soon as i saw this was well hammer time Mm. so you go and tutor this up like if you had a hammer already in hand you can go tutor this up cheat it in with stoneforge and then you can you know use a cigar desade or whichever to equip it to the thing wielding a hammer as well and then suddenly it's 20 damage out of nowhere it's just additional ways in which you can immediately end the game and putting it in as a one-off is a super super low opportunity cost now you're never really going to cast it for four mana like you're just going to cheat it in like you do with everything else in the deck but i think it might be worth trying out because you know one single card slot probably worth it absolutely there's mm. so many good like artifact equipments in luke penner anyway so i just feel like mm. hammer decks are just gonna have a field day just trying out all these new builds and one-offs because you got like stoneforge yeah. and urza sagas and stuff so there's so many ways to get these cards right yeah so next up is snooping newsy which is a bit of a mouthful um so for yeah blue i was black- gonna say what did you call me Um, so for a blue and a black you get a 2-2 that is a human rogue when snooping newsy enters the battlefield you mill two cards as long as there are five or more mana values among the cards in your graveyard snooping newsy gets plus one plus one and has life Hmm. link Um, again I'm talking about this from the realms of pauper Mm-hmm. It could see playing like Demir Delver list because that milling really feeds Gurmag Angular. Fair. And yeah. naturally hitting different mana values is easy enough in the deck because you have stuff like Preordain, Counterspell, Suffocating Fumes, Snuff Outs, and you know, any like Ash Barons and stuff also count. Mm. It does create some tension between the two, between Snooping Newsy and Gurmag Angler, because you want to mm. delve, but then you want to hit off this yeah. as well. So there's a bit of tension. However, it might create like a self mill version of like Demir Delver or like Demir Control where mm. you just run this to mill out and then use it as like a like a win condition at the end because plus one plus one on lifelink is not too bad it's like a free free of a lifelink is a decent rate on a two mana creature that can just enable your game plan 
Again, I don't think yeah. it's going to see loads of play, but it's just one to keep an eye out of. That got kind of got lost mm. in the previews at the end. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. Like it feels like it could sort of be a key piece in like making some sort of like maybe blue black like mid range kind of deck, as opposed yeah. to the tempo we controlly kind of builds, where like you can play this and you know mill some cards, do some you know self self mill kind of stuff, like you were saying, and just be a little more proactive as opposed to reactive like the Delver list and stuff so yeah could be worth checking out yeah the final card for me honestly it's uh it's it's pretty surprising given how soon after we got the original card that I fell in love with this card is called big score it's three and a red for an instant and it reads as an additional cost to cast a spell discard a card you draw two cards and create two treasure tokens so this is Unexpected Windfall, except it's easier to cast. Now, technically, that would make Unexpected Windfall obsolete, because this is better, right? But in Commander, you might want additional redundancy for this kind of effect, because like Unexpected Windfall has been phenomenal in red decks for being able to get a good bit of filtering through, while also you know, using these treasure rebates to set up for amazing turns, which I genuinely think people are not appreciating enough. You know, there's a bunch of these kind of cards where, you know, they cost a little bit more on face value, but then rebate you with some treasure tokens, which, for the most part, it's not that much of an investment up front. It's normally like an extra mana, but you get the thing back. You know, like if you were to if you were to cut two off of the mana value to account for the two treasure tokens and remove the treasure tokens from it, you basically have a thrill of possibility. So, like, that's still a good card. You know, so putting these additional rebates on allow you to like untap with a bunch of treasures that you've just incidentally made through casting these spells and allow you to have a huge explosive turn that you've not only set up for with those treasures, but you've also drawn into all the pieces that you need. So I think they're massively underrated, even though they already see a good bit of play. I think they should probably see more, if anything. Yeah, I'm so because I saw this card the second you put it in the notes. I'm like, yeah, Quintorius needs this. I need another version of this. Right? It's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> just more, more good stuff, you know. More, more good but, stuff and good treasures. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of brings us to the end of the cards that we want to sort of highlight from New Capenna. Honestly, there's been so much and so much has been going on. It's been hard to keep track of the, this preview yeah. season so far, but. um we're getting there. We're getting there. We've we've obviously, like we said at the start, we sort of skipped over a bunch of the the legendary creatures and any of the like very very obvious cards that people are already losing their minds about because, well, everyone else is losing their minds about it. So you <laughs> yeah. know, it's already covered. It's grand. We're going to talk about these little sort of weird niche cards, mm. right? So to round out the first episode with you back, Emma, have we got some Q and A? We do. We got quite a bit this week. Uh, so, a question from Joe Cheney from the BM Cast Discord. They ask, "Does New Capenna have anything for modded besides the Triomes?" Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think the the standout one, like you said, is Tainted Indulgence. I think Brass Knuckles is going to be one of those ones where it'll either show up like in one Hammer Five O list and then never again, or yeah. it will show up in every single Five O list from now until something gets banned. Like, that's kind of how it feels. Outside of them, yeah, it feels like there's just a bunch of, like, little weird niche things. It's kind of like 
Neon Dynasty in that way, yeah. where it's been like a bunch of like random crap has appeared and uh, they all sort of have some sort of home somewhere and it's all just kind of good. But I don't think there's anything that's like really stand out like you need to get a place out of these because modern requires it now. But I, I'm kind of happy that that's not the case, you know? Yeah, it's weird because Yucapan is like a multicolor set, right? So mm. fitting those multicolor cards in with all these fetches and already like a lot of modern decks are stacked already because they still have Modern Horizons 2 stuff, which is the really powerful stuff. Mm. So I don't think there's anything that's just going to come out and blow it out of the water outside of the Triumphs. But even then, the Triumphs are just supporting those, right? It's nothing yeah. individual from everything else. Um, I th- yeah, I think Triumphs is like the safe bet if you're looking to like pick up Capenna cards for Modern. But I'm pr- and also the um, the one manner equipment, the one that goes with Devoted Druid, is probably the other one I'm thinking of, which the name escapes me. It's a one manner one mm. that goes infinite, and you can get it off like an Urza Saga as well, which makes it really good. It's Elspeth um, uh, Sword. Elspeth Sword thing, one. not Godsend, <laughs> but the other one because she's got two. We're now, a professional apparently. podcast. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that one. I think that's the other one that's going to see play because it mm. just gives Devoted Druid decks a bit of diversity in their like threats, which they've been struggling mm. with for a while. Um, I think that's the other one, but I could be wrong. Like, it's really hard to speculate in the middle of a preview season when people don't have the cards to play with. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, a question from Coffee, uh, which is a question for both of us. Um, mm. When you are all building decks, who do you play test with? Do you have like a friend group? Do you just throw it on Modo and hope for the best? What's what's the plan there? I am um, generally speaking, it depends on what the format is. If it's Commander, I will sometimes brew a deck. I will just goldfish it a bunch, and then if it just feels good, I'll just sort of go with it and then like toy around with it over you know the coming weeks or whatever when I'm playing it with my friend group. When it comes to like modern and stuff, I. I used to use Magic Online, but I just, I just prefer paper like so much yeah. that I'll just test with one or two of my friends over webcam or whatever. Or like I, I play regularly now in game store, so I'll just bring it down there and give it a go. But goldfishing ultimately gives you the, the the good first vibe check. I think. You know? Yeah, I think my process is similar. So when I'm building decks slash like writing up a deck list is normally the first point right i tend to send it over to a couple of friends just going what do you think sort mm. of thing am i missing anything obvious is my land count does, my, does the land count look good to you like the the simple things that you might gloss over because you're just down this rabbit hole and you kind yeah. of miss stuff and then yeah i just leave it up and just play it um i just mm. tend to just get in there and play it because that's the best way to know if anything's good right it's just like mm. but hey i've got this quirky pioneer deck i just want to give it a go let me know what you think sort of thing let them play it if they want to like if they've got any feedback um yeah. i'm just a big fan of just pe- exposing it to people just so i can get varying opinions and then i can use that yeah. to take it further sort of thing and if it's terrible i'll just forget i'll get rid of it but <laughs> i enjoy that process anyway because i think it makes you a better deck builder and gives you better ideas um, absolutely i think i think collaborative deck building is like the most important part of it yeah because people don't really do it a lot because they're a bit worried that like oh no they're gonna know my secret tech for fnm and you know all this stuff and it's like come on dude it's fnm <laughs> let me tell you now your secret tech is not as good as you think it is yeah. it's fine don't worry about it yeah their input and their insight is going to be much more valuable than that one of in the sideboard of whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> people put a lot more stock on results rather than feedback it needs to be the other way at least that's what it is for me like if i lose i want to know like what could i do differently yada yada that's an episode in itself 
<laughs> so I've got a question from Mickey, which is a question for me. Mm-hmm. Have I enjoyed the Quintorius deck since you started to make changes? And what are the experience with it? Um, yes, I've been enjoying it quite a bit. There is a couple of avenues I can take Quintorius if I wanted to. Like I've seen like a Quintorius eggs list that runs like all the board backs and stuff, which I'm not going to do because that's just not fun and interactive when talking about like spell table commander because that's how I normally play commander these days. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people watching me play with my food. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, Quintorius is fun. I know it's not super powerful, but I know it's not terrible either. It's like right in the middle. It can yeah. it can have these explosive turns, but I'm not going to be like dead on the spot or I'm going to win on the spot. Um, it's just the right level for me considering I don't play a lot of commander. So... Yeah. I'm upgrading it here and there, like adding a few lands. I added like a gamble the other week because it's got discard, so it works with Contorious, yeah, nice. that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's it's the kind of the right level for me, and I it's low maintenance, which I also like. Nice. And we've got another one from Scott Hanch mm-hmm. asking, will the abundance of treasures open up Esper Control in Pioneer with a solo win condition of Revel of Riches, which is exclusively a commander win condition card <laughs> from Ixalan, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah. So my my personal experience with win conditions in formats is generally speaking, if it's a win condition in Commander, it doesn't apply to any other format and vice versa. Mostly because you can afford to reasonably cast Revel in Riches because your deck is just full of ramp and lands and all sorts of stuff. So you can just kind of get there and everybody else has everyone else to worry about at the same time whereas if you're against an opponent and like you land a revel in riches your opponent's like i'm gonna get you dead so quickly you have no idea and yeah i I feel like they don't translate very well now with that said you're more than welcome to try like i i know scott and i know that he's gonna try (laughs) um you know and i want to know the results just FYI. (laughs) i think if i was looking for like cards that say you win the game on them for Esper Control, I'll just look at Approach of the second song. Yeah. Because yeah. that it does a little bit more, gains you some life it's a bit more inevitability, it's harder to deal with because it's a spell rather than a permanent. Um, but yeah, try it. Like, you might be onto mm-hmm. something you don't know until you try, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got a question from Ev the Mage, who asked me um, how was my visit to the old US of A? It was very good, thank you. I feel very refreshed. To both of us, how excited are you all for the Pioneer Pro Tour? And what are you planning to play for the bigger Pioneer events if they are available? Yeah, I'm pretty excited, to be honest. Like, um, we, we never really got to talk about the return of the Pro Tour and that kind of thing. Not. And I do think overall it is pretty good. Um, I don't really have any complaints with the system or the setup or anything like that. Um, I've never been the most competitive person, but, you know, like I I cut my teeth in the first few years of playing Magic through playing competitive Magic. So, you know, I do care to some degree. The one thing that I care about the most, obviously, is coverage because that's how I learned an awful lot of my Magic and how I spent a lot of my weekends, you know, just order a takeaway, sit down and watch coverage for like four hours. Considering we're not going to get a CG coverage, so we need something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... What I'm going to play, uh, I was going to go with Phoenix for a good while, but then I decided I don't like the whole Temporal Trespass kind of nonsense that they're doing. I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, it doesn't feel like the Phoenix I enjoy. It feels a little more kind of like combo-y, win more sort of stuff. So rather than play a suboptimal version of that, I think I'm just going to go with an optimized version of Mono Blue Spirits because it's effectively the upgraded version of Mono Blue Tempo from standard past. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think mine would be Band Spirits, just because I know it's not great. Like, it's not, like, in the higher tiers of Pioneer, but it's the deck mm-hmm. I know inside and out. And I think I could just 
run pretty hot with it, just like based on mm. format knowledge and just knowing the deck. If I was going to this like bigger pioneer event to win it and like be super competitive, I would just play Winota because Winota's just busted. Yeah, a little bit. And probably should be banned, but that's a, again another conversation for another <laughs> day. I'm really excited to see Pioneer Pro Tours because Pioneer needed that kind of support competitively because it never really had yeah. the chance to, thanks to COVID. I think SCG like dabbled in it a bit, but then everything closed down mm. due to COVID. Um, yeah. I'm really excited to see it come back, and I'm really excited for the Pro Tour, like the system as well. It seems pretty good. My only concern is how that's going to translate into like UK and Ireland because we don't have a lot of events, like GPs and stuff. No. Always, we're pretty sparse anyway. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they do it in Europe because this stuff always favoured Americans and Canadians, right? Yeah. Fast. Yeah. Um, that's my only concern. Uh, then mm-hmm. we have another question from Ben. Top three cards you excited to play with in Streets of New Capenna? Oh, um, okay, give me one second. I am yeah. actually just going to open up the Streets of New Capenna uh, previews here. I am um, because the same thing. I'm still trying to get used to this set because uh, it's so new. Um... I'm excited to try out some of the commanders, to be honest. Like, I know that's like a very simple, straightforward answer, but like, I quite like a, I like the commanders that can technically be monocolor because of the hybrid mana that's yeah, in their casting Yeah, that's a really cast. smart. That's a really smart um, design. I think I like that. Yeah, lot. like I, I really like that idea. I like the idea of playing like a mono blue to lose clever conductor deck. I like the idea of playing like a mono white Rigo streetwise mentor deck. Um, or even just like mono red Viachino warriors with like Agnes or something like it just sounds really yeah. fun cool opportunity because like you don't have to do the monocolored it's just it's a very obvious like you can though and it feels like that's allowing those kind of commanders to be built in two very very different ways mm. with different cards that you won't normally see in either one or the other build so yeah I really like that idea I think they could stand to do that more with commanders in general, even with like two colors, for example, like you could yeah. do it one or the other or something, you know? So I think mine is obviously going to be, cause I'm still got my pauper hat on. Um, inspiring mm-hmm. overseer is one that I'm really excited for because I think it's gonna be good in pauper. I'm looking forward to adding it to my cube. Mm-hmm. If I was to build a commander from new Capenna, it would probably just be Ginny Faye. So I really like token decks in commander. Mm-hmm. And again, like I could be Selesnia, I could be Naya, I could be Gruul, I could be Mono Green. Really yep. nice sort of um, like flexibility with that. And I really like the new Obnixilus as well. Obnixilus the adversary, the free mana Rakdos that does sacrifice yeah. stuff. I think that's going to be really good in like Pioneer, just because sack decks are just good anyway. And it's just nice to have some mm-hmm. effects on a Planeswalker. Um, I'd be interested in exploring that if I take Pioneer a bit more seriously. Um, yep. And lastly, we've got another question from Joe Cheney. What are what are your thoughts on Gator Font of Hope for Pioneer and Historic Angels? So this is the two mana angel that adds counters to angels and you can use it as a ramp to cast more angels, I believe. It's like a really good card. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I'm again not knowledgeable on historic in general, but as far as Pioneer goes, I'm sure something will show up because it does it kind of reads like a like with the with the mana cost and the flying and vigilance. It feels like just sort of like a mini toned down version of like a Sarah Angel, but with a bunch of other stuff added to it. That can just like if you play this on turn two, and then on turn three you could play like a four drop angel, which gets an extra plus one plus one counter, and then you play another angel, which gets an extra two plus one plus one counters, and all of a sudden like it's snowballing out of control, and your opponent has multiple threats that they have to deal with. 
I feel like that is the kind of thing that an angel's deck like that is sort of missing in that sense. Like it, the creatures tend to be just like reasonably good on rate, but they've never been like, Oh my God, that thing is like under cost and it's so powerful. And in addition to that, a lot of angels have also been quite expensive to cast. So this helps bridge the early and mid game quite nicely, as well as also upping their threat potential card for card. I feel like there's something you could do like something really cute in Pioneer with this and like Speaker of the Heavens and like Lyra Dawnbringer and just a Resplendent mm. Angel that just stuff that makes Angel tokens that triggers this card and you know you get more yes. counters and stuff because it it says it says Angel creatures not token or non token right so I don't know yeah. it just feels like you can just do something a little bit you know tribally and a bit silly and you've got the um, you've got the secluded courtyard as well if you want to go into second colour from Neon Dynasty you can name Angel with yeah. that and activate abilities off it um, I'm just spitballing at the moment but it, like you could ease, I think you could easily build like a, a tribal Angels deck for Pioneer for like FNMs and stuff and just have a bit of fun with yeah, it I would say so I'm not 100% sure if there's like enough to make like a competitive deck necessarily no. in Pioneer but like you could splash know. into black for like um, like Fort Caesars, and there's I think there's a couple of black white angels that the names escape me as well, yeah. like Seraph of the Scales. Like, <laughs> yeah, and there's like Firja and stuff from Kaldheim yeah. and that kind of thing. Or as well. you can go into Selesnya and have Sagada. That's probably better. There you go. Yeah, solved it. <laughs> Fixed pioneer. <laughs> play angels. Screw one out. I just play angels. Actually, don't take that advice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or simply message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. Thank you.